0: Hello, friends, and welcome back to the Liz Moody Podcast, formerly known as the Healthier Together Podcast. We are the same podcast, but with even more of everything that you know and love. I'm your host, Liz Moody, and I'm a bestselling author and longtime journalist. This podcast is all about helping you live your healthiest, happiest life, whether we're discovering the secrets to career success, learning how to heal from burnout, or getting tips from a circadian neuroscientist to hack our sleep. And yes, those are all real episodes, so if any of those topics sound good to you, scroll on back in the archives. We are back today with another advice episode where every single month I'm joined by very special guests and we answer all of your questions. If you haven't listened to the last one yet with Robin Del Monte, it is so good. We dive deep into how to bring more joy into your life, making time for creative endeavors, navigating grief and loss, and more. You can always send any questions that you want answered to ask at lizmoody.com, or I will be taking questions on Instagram the last week or so of every month, so be on the lookout for that. Today, I am so excited to welcome Robin Arzone to the podcast. Robin is the two-time New York Times bestselling author of Shut Up and Run and Strong Mama, and her new guided journal, Welcome Hustler, comes out September 26th, so tomorrow if you're listening to this on release day. Formerly a corporate lawyer, Robin discovered her passion for athletics after healing from a traumatic experience through movement. She fearlessly left behind a successful law career to embark on new adventures in the health and wellness space and has since reinvented herself into an avid ultramarathon runner and global fitness and wellness leader. She is the vice president of fitness programming and head instructor at Peloton and founder of Swagger Society. She has millions of social media followers, and she is just an all-around superwoman, which I know that you know since I got so many excited DMs when I announced that she was coming on the podcast. And she lived up to expectations. I was fangirling before the interview, and honestly, I was fangirling even harder after. Robin is just wildly inspiring, and this episode is going to motivate you and leave you with a huge smile on your face. We get into the mantras that Robin is relying on in her life these days. What to do when you have no willpower, but you want to go after your goals. The one habit that we should all add to our day to make other habits easier. Questions to ask yourself to know your best career path and then how to go after it. Pragmatic Steps and Mindset Shifts to Feel Good in a Postpartum Body, How to Define Your Identity in Motherhood and Beyond, How to Know When to Push Yourself to Work Out and When Your Body Needs Rest, How to Stop People-Pleasing Without Hurting Your Relationships, and So Much More. As always, we would love to hear your thoughts on our advice and your takes as you're listening. Maybe you have different advice. Maybe you have different thoughts. So definitely screenshot and tag us on Instagram. I am at Liz Moody and Robin is at RobinNYC. And if you love this conversation or if any of Robin's amazing advice really resonates with you, please share it with a friend or a family member or a coworker. Sharing is the best way to support the podcast. And you guys all asked really, really, really good, important questions this time. So I think this episode will help so many people. And just a quick friendly reminder that my book is available for pre order at 100 Ways to Change Your Life.com. That is 100 Ways to Change Your Life.com. The format of this book is so perfect for anyone with a busy life. The tips are two to three pages each, so you can read a tip as part of your morning routine. You can leave it out on the coffee table. It is such a pretty book. It's definitely the type of book that you like want on your bookshelf. You want it on your bedside table. You want it on your coffee table. You can pick it up and just read a quick tip while your pasta water is boiling so that you're not scrolling on social media. And each tip shares first the science and then an action step to actually apply that science and change your life. There is no more wondering, well, that's great, but what do I actually do? Also, it's just a really fun book. It's not boring. It'll inspire you, and it'll literally actually change your life from the day that you first crack it open and read your first page. Snag it now at 100 life.com and you'll be entered to win a $1,000 airline credit to travel anywhere that you want to in the world. Okay. I hope that you are ready to feel amazing because we are about to get right into it with Robin. Robin, I am so happy to have you here. I was just telling you offline that I'm such a fan of yours. You inspire me to work out all of the time. So from me, from my audience, thank you so, so much.
1: Oh, I'm excited to chat. Thanks for having me.
0: Before we get into listener questions, I just want to congratulate you on your beautiful journal. Here on the Liz Moody Podcast, one of the things that we are always trying to do is figure out what is worth our limited time in terms of meeting our specific goals when there are so many tools out there. So I'd love to start off with, can you share some specific benefits that you've seen from journaling and how it's changed your life?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So journaling is one of the key tools in my superhero toolkit, as I affectionately call it. In that toolkit, I've also got, of course, movement and breathwork and fueling. But journaling, I started when I was a lawyer and it became a cathartic practice for me, a way for me to kind of distance myself from the self-conscious voices in my head and to unload some of the mental and emotional labor that we all kind of carry around. That's how the process really started for me. And I realized that when I put pen to paper, I can manifest pretty magical things. I started using it as a way to like Architect and dream new chapters of my life. And I really believe that journaling helped me find my husband. It helped me do the jobs that I'm doing now in my wellness career as a leader in wellness. It enables us to unload, but also plan and do so with intention. I like to think that Welcome Hustler is an opportunity for folks to dial into the voice in between their ears and let go of the conversations that aren't helpful.
0: And what I love about your journal specifically is that I think until we get really descriptive and specific about what we want, it's really, really hard to get what we want and all of the prompts in there. I like how they're not just like, what are your dreams? It's like, let's get specific. What are the (laughs) deadlines for your dreams? How can we make these things come true? And I think that is such a helpful thing to note when we're talking about manifestation.
1: Yeah, I mean I say that manifesting isn't just wishing, wanting and hoping. You know, a, a dream without a deadline is a fairy tale. And um now that I'm reading fairy tales and stories to my daughter, I really want her to take away the action and the agency that we are able to do in writing the narrative of our lives. And in Welcome Hustler, I wanted to create a framework for folks to step into that. It's intended to Go with you. It's portable. I want folks to jump in and out to different sections of the journal, just going to what speaks to them and leaving whatever doesn't. And it should be a working, dynamic thought partner. That's kind of how I see the journal it's like, it's my thought partner. The prompts and the graphics and the mantras that I've infused. This journal reflects the conversation I've been having with myself for the past 20 years. It's actually one of the more personal projects I've ever released. Mm,
0: I love that. You have that page where you ask us to list some mantras that are useful to us, that resonate with us. I was curious if you have any mantras that are resonating
1: with you right now. For sure. I'm in a postpartum season. So I am the CEO of my body, helps me get back into my body as my own and not, you know, a milk factory or lugging a toddler. So that is Certainly resonant with me right now. And also, as I try to regain creative ideas and my business mind, which I'm very, very excited to do. And I have a really awesome project, including this one, launching this year and next year. One mantra that is super important to me right now is it takes one match to light a fire. Because sometimes I feel like, oh, I don't have as much energy as I did six months ago, or why does this feel so hard today? And I just continue putting the next step forward, just looking for a little bit of a spark, even if it looks different than it did last week or last year. Oh,
0: I love that. Okay. And then we'll get right into the advice questions, but I feel like listeners will be mad at me if I don't ask, what fairy tales, what books are you reading to your daughter? You
1: mentioned that. I have written two children's books, Strong Baby and Strong Mama, so she loves those. We are very into right now stories about musicians. She's super into music. So – Dolly Parton, Stevie Wonder, Prince, Beyoncé. I walked in the other day and she was singing I just called to say I love you by Stevie Wonder to herself. Oh, yeah, and I was like, I'm doing something right. If this child knows Stevie Wonder, we went to an exhibit of at the Brooklyn Museum about Jay-Z and she was like Mama, are we going to see Beyonce? Like I'm looking for Beyonce. She literally said, "I have snacks for her." (laughs) She knows the the way to a woman's heart (laughs) for sure. I think the series is Little Dreams. They do profiles on you know historical figures, and right now in a music moment.
0: (laughs) I love that. I should read those. I love reading. I love your children's books. They're like lessons, but taught in a fun way and an enjoyable. I feel like they're good for all ages, frankly.
1: Thank you. Yeah, sometimes I read them and I forget even what I wrote in them because I haven't necessarily revisited the text in a while. And I'm like, yep, needed that mantra, needed that (laughs) reminder. Yeah, mantras for the whole family. (laughs) Mantras for the whole family. Okay, let's
0: get into Lister questions. This is the first one. I have no willpower. I start every day with aspirations to work out, to eat things that make me feel good, to stay off my phone. And then as the day goes on, I inevitably do all of the things I told myself I wouldn't. I would love any advice you have. I want to change, but I don't know how.
1: Yeah. That sounds like trying to do too much at one time. A lot of people experience this at inflection points, like with seasonality, like back to school or January, new year, new you. We feel this societal messaging, clean out the fridge, get new sheets, buy everything on Oprah's Amazing lit, you know, we're like, okay, I got it, right? And you order the thing and you've got that dopamine going when you tell people about your goal, and you know, it's a lot. But the motivation at the beginning wanes pretty quickly, especially when we're feeling overwhelmed, and even more so when we feel like we're already falling off on the thing. So I would highly recommend picking one keystone habit. And keystone habits are ones that impact other habits in our day. For example, a movement practice is a keystone habit because then it could contribute to how you're eating, how you're sleeping, your energy levels, your decision. You know, So it's that trickle-down effect, so to speak. So of those things that the listener listed, pick one and then make the goal so simple you can complete it in less than two minutes. And you might be thinking, oh my gosh, I'm so much more ambitious. I'm so much more capable. Of course you are, but we naturally are going to get in our heads and feel like a failure when it's – these changes are really sweeping. But imagine if you start scaffolding two minutes a day, which inevitably usually turns into 10 minutes or 20 minutes or 30 minutes, whatever the goal is, it's usually accomplish more than that. I'll use an example. So when I um, first had Athena, I had completely fallen off of my reading practice and I'm a voracious reader. And I told myself, I'm going to read one book a week. And it was absurd to think that I would be doing that when I'm up half the night. So I recalibrated and I said, I'm going to read one page a day it felt like such an absurdly low bar, but I realized that because the bar was so low, I thought, okay, I can do this. I mean, I can do this in a minute. And then most days I would do more than that. And the days that I didn't, I was okay because that was my goal. So I would say start small, start with one, not that the other things aren't important, but start with one And then really distill the goal down to something that could take minutes at a time and set yourself up for success. Um, I think that when we honestly analyze the roadblocks – You know, when I was starting to get into the habit of becoming an early morning workout person, there were many days that I slept in my workout clothes just so it was one less decision, right? So it's like, where can you eliminate some of the friction? I think in goal setting, we have to analyze not only the goal and the specificity of the goal, but also analyze very honestly what the roadblocks are and try to establish process that enables our discipline. Is working out your
0: top favorite keystone habit or do you have other ones based on what people's goals are?
1: I think a movement practice is number one. I think movement and sleep hygiene are the two. Of course, there's like a lot of ways to be healthy, but I think a movement practice, yes, is my number one because I think it greatly contributes to every area of our lives.
0: I love that. I also just love the reframe of like, it's not that you don't have willpower. You're not failing. You're trying to do too much. That is such a lovely way to look at it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. Let's do – I am stuck trying to figure out what I'm really good at and what I actually want my career to be. Do you have any advice for questions I should be asking myself?
1: Yeah. There are lots in the journal because I started journaling when I started getting curious about a career change. So I have an audit that I've infused into the book where you kind of do an analysis of – practical things, your financial health, your physical health, your spiritual, energetic health, and really starting to hold a mirror to those areas of our lives. Certainly, if you're considering you know, a career change or a job change, you want to look introspectively at those things. But I think there are things that kind of dive into passion and purpose and these concepts and try to make them a little bit more concrete. But I will ask one question that requires you to observe yourself throughout the day and throughout the week. When do you lose track of time in a good way? Not like the doom scroll where you're like, oh my gosh, I've just been on TikTok or whatever app for hours and I feel worse about myself. I mean, the moments where you kind of get lost in work or get lost in thought, it could be like because you love baking or you're doing a run or maybe you love organizing, you know, and you get lost in like a deep cleaning. Like those are aspects of your aptitude that are very natural to you. So, how can you start to incorporate that in your goal setting, if not necessarily your paid work? Maybe it could be something that's adjacent that allows some buoyancy for the stuff that might be more mundane. I was going
0: to ask, do you think that we should be turning our passions into our jobs? Do you think that's accessible to most people? How do you look at that? I
1: do think it's accessible, but the road is circuitous, right? Okay. So it's not a linear path, but I think that every single one of us when we really drill into what lights us up, let me be clear, passion often feels like frustration. I think that it's an allu- you know, we see the glossy highlight reel and we think, "Oh my gosh, like they're just on cloud nine all day every day. I am living my passion and as a multi-hyphenate millennial, <laughs> Elder millennial, I guess I am. I don't even know what I am anymore. But I'm living my passion, but many, many days, many moments, I'm frustrated because I'm stretching, I'm building, I'm creating, I'm doing, in some instances, things that have never, ever been done before. And that's when I realized passion can feel like frustration. But I know that I am in alignment. I have agency and I have gratitude. And that's how I know that I'm on the right path. So the long answer to your question is yes. Yes. But I think that we have to reframe what that looks like.
0: I also think sometimes we get stuck on like the titles, like this is my dream job versus this is a thing I really enjoy doing and this is how I can incorporate it into a job. You know what I
1: mean? Yeah. So when I was journaling about what I wanted for my next career back when I was a lawyer plotting what I do now, even though it didn't exist, right? And I include a list in the book that I made after a long workday as a lawyer. It is a literal screenshot of the note from my phone timestamped at like 11 something PM in 2011. And I list what I do now. Like anyone who's followed me on social media or at Peloton or any of the projects that I've done, it lists what I do now as a job. I just think like manifesting with specificity is so key, but the ways in which we can kind of think about how we want to feel when we get there, not necessarily what the world is calling it. And I did that also with my husband, with my relationship. I thought, okay, yeah, it'd be great if he looked like this or he had this kind of stuff, you know, money, achievement, whatever. But I thought, really, what does our home look like on a Sunday morning? Like, and I'm like, Nina Simone is playing. You know, we're making breakfast. There's the New York Times. Those were the details that mattered to me because I could think about how I wanted to feel in those moments. So I encourage your listeners to think about that. Like, how do you want to feel when you're walking into that office with whatever title on the door? Like, screw the title. How do you feel day in and day out? And when your head hits the pillow, who are you then? Hmm.
0: I love that too, because, like in your example, if you had been trying to go after a title or a specific job, like you said, that literally didn't exist. But you leave room for possibilities that might not even be in your consciousness or in the world's consciousness by thinking about things in that way. And I think that's so important.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think when we focus on the the qualities, the values, how we want to. Identify and feel when we're in these experiences and environments and relationships, then we can let go of the form a little bit and allow what's going to happen, happen. Because there's only so much that we can control. You know, like you, on race day, you're not going to be able to control the weather, but you are going to be able to control like who shows up to that start line. And I think that's where the effort really needs to be.
0: I'm curious. I get so many questions all the time from people who are debating whether to take a big career leap. And it's, Easy now looking back, I'm sure, when you've experienced the immense levels of success that you have to be like, oh, yes, I definitely should have left law and done all of this stuff. But at the time, it must have felt crazy. You had so much investment in this one career and you were leaving it. Were people like, what are you doing? How did you push through
1: other people's judgment and
0: maybe your self judgment and self questioning? (laughs) For
1: sure. It felt like a free fall. I had a very cushy job at a New York City law firm. And I think it was particularly, it wasn't like I'm going from law to accounting or law to advertising. It wasn't going from one linear career path to another. It was going from a career path to I'm making this up. And I literally made it up. Like I really fashioned myself as a consultant initially and brands were reaching out via social media or whatever, trying to like, quote, pick my brain and meet for coffee. And a lot of times they would like, you know, give me a sweatshirt or a pair of shoes, which obviously is like generous and I was super appreciative, but it didn't pay my rent. You know, and then I realized, huh, okay, I have to just start saying that I'm a consultant and here's my fee. And I made it up. I just opened up a word doc, made an invoice, and I was like, this is my fee, you know? And I completely made it up. But um I think those are the little small moments that you just bet on yourself. Part of, you know, the frameworks that I set up in the journal are how I leveraged an awareness of what my current skill set was and what I still really needed to know and find out. And that is, you know, marrying confidence with humility. And I think that's a really unstoppable combination. So during that period of time, I started thinking, okay, like what am I good at? What do I like to do? What the heck do I need to figure out? And it was really some of it was practical, like get my personal trainer certification, get my spin cert, write my book proposal, like stuff that I had to figure out how to do. And then other stuff that I knew like came innately. But yeah, leaving the law firm felt like a really big jump. The more scary jump, actually. So I left my law firm two weeks before the London Olympic Games and on my credit card I purchased a flight to London and I just was blogging from the games and like Meeting people and anyone who would listen. I was just like, I love running. I want to write about women in sports, and this is my point of view. And <laughs> I mean, cab drivers, like it was literally anybody who would listen. And so I came back from London with a job. I actually met the CEO of Nike in a shoe store, and I had made little business cards, like with my blog on it and with photos on it. And he's like, Wow, you're really stylish. You should start a blog. I was like, Well, funny you say that because here's my. Info. And so I ended up leaving London with a job where Nike Women was my client. I worked for the agency and they were our client. And about six months into that job, what I thought was my dream job, I realized, oh my gosh, I'm going to pivot again. Like, am I just, can I stick to anything? You know, and as a very self determined Virgo Latina, it felt like failure. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm pivoting again. Is it a pivot or is it? You know, it's sometimes you have to really unpack, like, is this a pivot or am I just jumping ship? And it was an appropriate pivot. And that felt even more like jumping off a cliff because I thought I had arrived where I wanted to be. And I realized I hadn't even gotten to the destination. And that second pivot is when I started really digging deep even more, like more journaling, more vision boards, meditation, running. I had already started writing my first book, Shut Up and Run. And this is where Peloton came into the picture. I had written on my vision board that I wanted to work with a disruptive technology company. And I had a picture of a little Apple computer in, in my business quadrant. And I had no idea even what that meant or what it would look like. But then I read an article about Peloton and I realized really quickly, like, that's what it was. And I don't know if I would have paid attention had I not been as specific as I could be you know, with that hope. For the business piece of my life. I think if I would have been my nose in this agency, not paying attention or not allowing myself the creative freedom to dream, even though it was really scary and I had no income coming in, I was also part of the financial audit that I did as a lawyer, was also asking myself and seeing what the dollars and cents were and like how much runway did I really have. And so I knew, okay, I've got X amount of months before. I'm just going to knock back on the door of that law firm and just have to grin and bear it. These are the exercises that we have to engage in, especially as it relates to a career change that obviously might impact our financial health.
0: I started hearing about colostrum a year or so ago, and I got so many messages from all of you. Was it hype? Was it worth it? I am super cautious about any recommendations that I give you, so I wanted to do a deep dive into the research and try it myself, which I've been doing for the past six months. And I'm happy to say that I was really pleasantly surprised by what I found. First of all, if you're like, what is colostrum? It is the first nutrition we receive in life, and it contains all of the essential nutrients our bodies need in order to thrive. The brand I tried is Armra Colostrum, and they're definitely the highest quality one that exists. The reason I wanted to try it was for my allergies. I am allergic, unfortunately, to my fur daughter, Bella, which does not stop me from cuddling her during most of my waking life, and there's really interesting research about how colostrum can help. Essentially, it reduces the pro-inflammatory cytokines that can cause allergic reactions, and a number of studies show that it helps protect and heal your gut and help feed your microbiome, both of which have downstream positive impacts on allergies. I've personally seen a huge difference in my itchy eyes, my stuffiness, and all of that, which is a huge win for me. And if you suffer from gut issues on their own, obviously that research would point to it being helpful there. It also has been shown to fight viral and bacterial infections in the gut, which is great for travel, but just also if you feel like anything is off and you want to create a better state of balance. There's also great research around its ability to regulate your immune system And that inflammation regulation will have so many other impacts, including helping with skin health, helping with energy, and more. Armour Colostrum is a sustainably sourced colostrum concentrate that harnesses over 400 living bioactive nutrients. While most colostrums undergo heat pasteurization, Armour Colostrum uses proprietary cold chain biopotent technology that preserves the integrity of the bioactive nutrients to guarantee the highest potency and bioavailability of any colostrum on the market. Armor Colostrum also sources their colostrum from grass-fed cows from their co-op of dairy farms in the USA, and they strictly source only the surplus supply of colostrum after calves are fully fed, which was so important to me. Armor Colostrum goes through extensive auditing and third-party testing to ensure their colostrum meets the highest bar of purity and efficacy, which includes being certified glyphosate-free. If any of that sounds good to you, we have worked out a special offer just for my audience. Receive 15% off your first order. Go to tryarmra.com slash lizmoody or enter lizmoody to get 15% off your first order. That's t-r-y-a-r-m-r-a dot com slash lizmoody. I absolutely love a low-lift daily habit that has a big payoff over time. It's why I'm always asking podcast guests for little hacks and tips that we can all do easily to live a better life without sacrificing a ton of time or energy. And that's why I love AG1, the daily foundational nutrition supplement that supports whole body health. I know there are a lot of people who wonder if AG1 is overhyped because so many people talk about it, but in this case, it's just one of those things that's super hyped because it's actually that good. I gave AG1 a try because I wanted a single solution that supports my entire body and covers my nutritional bases every day, no matter how the rest of the day goes, especially for gut health and immune support. I just mix a scoop of AG1 into my water. You can also mix it into juice or a smoothie, but I genuinely love the taste, so I go with water. And boom, you have this incredible insurance that you've gotten your foundational nutrition in from that one-minute habit in your day. I'm always trying to eat veggie-packed, nutritionally-dense meals, but I am not perfect, so AG1 helps support me with 75 vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, and adaptogens to cover the bases. I love how it gives me some gentle energy right after I drink it without any jitters so it doesn't stoke my anxiety like caffeine. It gives me a ton of mental clarity and clears any sluggishness or brain fog that I have, which is why even though a lot of people start their day with it, I actually prefer to drink mine in the early afternoon when I have that 3 p.m. slump, and it is not a placebo effect. AG1 has so many ingredients that have been extensively researched for their brain health effects like rhodiola root dry extract, hawthorn berry and rosemary to name just a few. It also has less than 1 gram of sugar, no GMOs and no artificial anything and they are third party tested which is always so important to look for. So if you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a one-year supply of their amazing vitamin D3 and K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com slash Liz Moody. That's drinkag1.com slash Liz Moody. I want to first say that you do the best job of mixing dreams and pragmatic reality considerations of any person I have ever met. I think it is just such (laughs) a secret sauce and it is such an impressive attribute to have. And I think it is behind so much of your success. And then second, I'm curious if somebody is trying to figure out if they're in a moment where they should pivot or they should stick it out and they are in fact just giving up because things are a little bit difficult. Do you have any advice for knowing which situation you're in?
1: I know. It's really hard. And I think especially for young folks who are listening, it's like you don't know what you don't know, right? And is it you have to be at a job 12 months or is it have to be five years? Like, I mean, it's not a bright line rule, but I think that... There has to be enough grit and kind of skin in the game for you to have the benefit of that retrospective wisdom. We have to look at the details of our day-to-day and how we're feeling and how we're being applied and then have enough perspective to zoom out and say like, is this a season (laughs) where I haven't even gotten my footing? Or is this kind of – like this is the infinite game in this place. And sometimes it's in the zooming out that you actually think of a new creative way to stay in the same place but like change who you're working with, what you're working for, what you're doing. Especially if you're an asset to the place, being creative of how you can be used is just the suggestion that they were waiting for. I recommend this for folks, especially when we're working in teams and we're trying to think about like – How could I best manage my energy? Let's say like the team, they're all early risers, but you work more at night. Begin with the end in mind. Like how can we all get to goal, protecting our energy systems and working in ways that make sense for all, but the way that you package it is really crucial. So that's just one suggestion in the zooming out and the collaborative approach kind of business, but there's no bright line rule. I think that the only way is looking at it through two lenses. What do I do all day, every day? and what pieces of it that feel like drudgery are essential, and what can I get rid of? What processes can I make more efficient? What are the things that have always been done, just because they've always been done that way, that might need me to revamp them? And then when you feel like, okay, well, this is it. I've done as much massaging and architecting of this as I can, and you still feel like it's weighing you down it's time to go. But I think that the second lens of zooming out is also really important because sometimes it's just about like you know you feel like you've hit a wall and you realize that you all you needed to do was go get a ladder. Mm,
0: I love that. I also love that you say begin with the end in mind because taken a different way, it's also like what does the end of this path look like and is that a place that I want to go? I think if it feels like you're in a really shitty hard thorn-filled part of the path right now, but at the end there's this like beautiful waterfall and you can see that in the distance, then you're more inspired to get there. But if you're looking at people who are like five, 10 years ahead of you on your same career path and they're all miserable or they live a life that's not really aligned with yours, then that's really valuable information to have as well.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. When I was a lawyer, I wrote on a Post-it note, three questions that I'll share that have completely changed my life. And the first one is what is my why? And I think that we can ask ourselves that like in a broad, like, why am I here? You know, it could be like an existential question, but also I ask myself that before I sign on to a project, before I'm engaging in any kind of partnership, like, why am I doing this? What is the goal of the goal? Because we can kind of get lost, especially once you've achieved some success, you're just like, oh, sure, yeah, this is the logical next step. Let me do this thing because it. this is what we do now, right? We do this project after we've done this one, and it's not necessarily in alignment with what we even want to do. So in answering that what is my why, I wrote, do epic shit, and I put the post-it on my mirror. This is when I was a lawyer, and I was like getting up and wearing ill-fitting suits and like, Oh, honey. The swag felt very (laughs) far away. (laughs) And the second question that I asked myself still, and I've included this in the journal, is what would you do if you were twice as confident and twice as strong? Because I think that we're always working towards that version of ourselves. But what if we met her now and we could start making those decisions now based on the confidence and the strength that we know we're going to gain through these experiences? The ways in which we answer those questions, especially in the privacy of journal writing, I think can be really, really special. And then the third is, why not me? Like, this is really, really important when we're dreaming and when we're goal setting because it might not have ever been done before. And if you don't see it, it's probably on you to build it. I love it. I love it. Those are such good questions. I'm going to write them down
0: and like stick them on my computer (laughs) somewhere that I can see them. Okay. Shifting gears a little bit. I'm having a really hard time being patient with my one-year postpartum body. I was very active before having a baby. I did Peloton. I was a long-distance runner, et cetera, and have returned to normal activity, but I'm feeling frustrated by how long it's taking to look and feel like myself again. Any advice?
1: I've been there and I am there. I'm there right now. I totally get it. I really focus on what my body can do in the moment versus what it looks like. I actually haven't weighed myself in over two years. Even my entire pregnancy journey when I would go in to get weighed, I asked the nurse practitioner, just don't even tell me. Like I know that y'all will tell me if something's wrong, so don't even tell me. I didn't want to fixate on the number because I knew I was going to be active and, and maintain the athleticism that was right for me. And now, postpartum, my mantra is slowing down is a strength. I visualize like rebuilding a house, and I want my house to be strong. And the foundation of the house is sometimes really mundane it's 360 breath work, it's building back, you know, with weights that used to be your warm up, it's going to low impact rides. And then once you know you kind of have a little bit of a glimmer of that version of yourself again, you have to be willing to let it be hard. I am in right now, and it's hard, like the weights that I'm throwing used to be my warm up, and I just I walk in when I pick up that barbell, when I hop on the bike, when I hop on the tread, it's like i'm gonna let it be hard today, and it's the version of hard that is. Based on me. It's like, this is the version of hard for the person who got up at two in the morning to feed a child. This is the version of hard who like barely was able to move for 15 minutes today because I had a toddler on my leg. This is the version of hard that like my workout today was walking out with my kids because I didn't have time to work out, right? So it's honoring that without letting the excuses become something that you wear. Like, you can honor your reality without wearing the excuses and with without martyring yourself to motherhood. And I think that that's really, really important. Um, but meet yourself where you are. And when we zoom out, a year is nothing. Two years is nothing, right? Like, these setbacks will be your comeback story if you let it. You say, let's do this without martyring
0: ourselves to motherhood. And I think a lot of people think that they're not doing that. But it's a really hard line to navigate when you do have this child who needs so much of your attention, your energy, your body, and you want to be the best parent that you can for them. I'm curious if there's ways that you feel like people might be martyring themselves to motherhood that they wouldn't be aware of and where they can kind of catch themselves there.
1: Well, for me, it's – When the story starts telling itself. Like, I think that is the tipping point. There are moments, obviously, that are overwhelming and out of our control. And I mean, even just getting (laughs) like a small human dressed in the morning is an Olympic sport, right? Like, I am not saying that any of these seasons are easy as any kind of caregiver. You could be dealing with an, an ailing parent or the strong friend in your friend group, right? Like, there are lots of ways for this to be applicable. But What I mean by the story starts writing itself is you start telling your story in definitives. It's always like this. I'm never like that. Because then it just becomes your identity of lack. And I want us to plug in where we can find agency, when we can delegate, when we can create a boundary, when we can use our no to protect our yes little tiny inflection points. It could be small, right? And these things add up, right? Like when we can get a little bit more energy back, when we can protect 15 minutes of our time, when we say no to the thing that would have been a mediocre yes, the after-school commitment, the Sunday afternoon thing that you said you would do and now you're just like, oh, why? I could have totally had those 15 minutes to myself. Now I have the emotional labor and physical labor of planning for this thing. That's what I'm talking about. And when the definitive statements of I always do this, I never do that, I am this person, is that filling you with agency or not? Because then we start to have to have different conversations with the stakeholders in our lives and, most importantly, in the conversation between our ears. And I know there are folks with all different types of circumstances that without help, solo parents, I mean, there's multitudes of ways in which, you know, Folks are needing to navigate this season of their lives. And I don't suggest that that's easy, but I want folks to at least feel intentional about the story that they're playing out in their heads.
0: 100%. Is there anything that you do on a daily basis that helps you feel the most like yourself in this season of
1: your life? 100% working out. For my husband and I, almost everything that we've crafted in this moment is to enable us the moments in our day where we can work out. So it's planning weeks ahead, you know, asking family members to come in so we know, okay, in three Saturdays, I'll be able to go on a long run. You know what I mean? It's just like having something in the distance. And, you know, for childcare, it's getting a double stroller so I can take both kids while he goes to the gym and then he takes the stroller and then I'm off, you know, and and it's really trying to tag team as best we can. And there are times where the plan kind of unravels, but most days of the week, we are each having a movement practice and we move heaven and earth to make that happen because we cannot be to anyone else, not each other, not our kids, not our business partners, not our family members. if we don't have that. And then when you add to it that it's my actual job, it's important. I love that you
0: say that, though, because I think sometimes we put the things that make us feel like ourselves as the bonuses once we've completed everything else on our to-do list or we've gotten through everything else that's actually scheduled into our calendar, which just tells us that the things that make us feel like ourselves are the least important thing in our schedule, which tells us, I think subconsciously, that we are the least important thing in our lives. And I love that you say my husband and I aren't just trying to like Sneak in a workout while the kid's sleeping. We're trying to plan it in. We're prioritizing it. We're doing everything we can ahead of time to make that happen. And I feel like it's important for you to feel like yourself to do the workout itself. But it's also just such a vote for belief in yourself, for caring for yourself to prioritize it in that way in the first place.
1: Yeah. I mean, we plan it just like our household is a business. We are the CEOs of our body and we plan it. It's, just as important as is there food in the fridge so I can feed my kid lunch. Like we plan. I'm like, it is X day. For the next seven days, how are we going to figure this out? And we sit there with a calendar. And I'm like, okay, got it. Um, For these 30 minutes, these are my – and we block it. And I mean, it is that important. We treat them like business meetings. Yeah, I love that.
0: I will also say I am not a mother or a parent. I have a cat parent. But I just like find it wild. And I don't know the situation, but I'm like, you created a human being. When anybody questions what their body looks like after birth, I'm just like, you – like, it is so insane to me that you grew – the future of society inside your body and that you have anything but offer that. And maybe, again, I will feel differently if I actually do it, but it blows my mind so much that you have literally performed a miracle and you're thinking about like your stretch marks, you know?
1: I know. Well, it's so interesting how both narratives live at the same time, right? I think motherhood, parenthood, caregiving is such an exercise in both and. Like I will – just today, have like lifted up over my head, like more than my body weight. And then I'll I'll go to shower and be like, oh, but that's still, it's just not, I can't fit that yet. I was getting ready for an event last night and I put on jeans and like, nope, those definitely don't fit. And maybe they will never fit. You know, I don't know. And instead of trying to fight the clothing and fight that narrative, I continue to revisit like what my body can do. And both narratives can live at the same time. And you can be in absolute awe of what you did and be like, I am such an incredible badass. And then also want to work on yourself. I think we can hold space for both as long as we're really leaning into our aptitude rather than the old version of ourselves.
0: Right. And I don't think there's any shame that should ever be involved with feeling like you want your body to look or feel differently. And also, I don't think that we can discount the fact that we are bombarded with societal messages about like bouncing back and looking a certain way and being everything as a mom and a businesswoman and still being like eye candy for people to enjoy and all of these things that we're supposed to be as a woman. And it's like, of course you feel the way that you feel. It's a lot. Okay. Okay. How do you know when to push yourself to work out versus when your body needs rest?
1: I think this is less about the workout and more about sleep hygiene and how we're feeling. Like I try to take my own temperature. On a scale of 1 to 10, like where am I at today, right? With the 10 being best day ever. Most of the time I'm living somewhere between like a 6 and a 10. My internal drumbeat is usually pretty buoyant the internal conversation that you have with yourself, you have to know yourself well enough to know when something's off. I think most of the time the workout will help. You just have to modify the intensity of the workout. I think movement will always help, but you have to have enough confidence in playing the long game to know today might not be the day for the most intense personal record, fastest run, most intense Peloton ride. Maybe today is the day that I dabble in yoga, a long walk, breath work, whatever it is. So modifying the intensity I think is more important than getting rid of the workout itself. That being said, if sleep hygiene is totally off, if you're sleeping, I would say less than six hours a night for long stretches, I mean, that's really going to impact your mental and physical health. So that's something that you need to look at. But my answer is like, take your own temperature. Like, Can you modify the intensity instead of not moving at all? Because usually... Once you start moving for about 10 minutes, you're going to regain at least a modicum of energy, and then that energy is going to carry forward throughout the day, as long as you're getting enough sleep on the other end.
0: If you have dry skin, this is going to be your holy grail. I've love, love, loved the Osea and Algae Body Butter for years It is so rich and creamy and lush, but it sinks right into your skin, and it makes your entire body feel moisturized and not greasy at all. I actually do not understand how it's so not greasy and yet so, so hydrating. As fall approaches, I'm leaning into mini spa energy, these micro-relaxing moments you can insert throughout your day. Because peppering your day with tiny bits of calm can have huge impacts on overall cortisol levels, on your anxiety, even how you sleep at night, and the smell of the body butter. Holy cow, it is pure spa energy. You get that like laying on the massage table, melting energy. It is phenomenal. I've gone through at least four tubs of this personally, and that is saying something because it lasts a long-ass time. A little bit goes a very long way. I also always keep extras on hand to give out as gifts. It uses ingredients that you would normally see in face care products like seaweed, ceramides, glycerin, which I am obsessed with for hydration and think is so underrated, amino acids, even a skin-identical moisture complex. Also, here is a little tip. If you want to amp up its hydrating power even more, put it on damp skin right after the shower to really lock in all of that moisture and hydration. Like all Osea products, it's formulated with real seaweed to take advantage of its nutrient-rich benefits like deep moisturization. It's also vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified. Osea has actually been making seaweed-infused products that are safe for your skin and the planet for over 27 years. And I personally absolutely love how everything is ethically tested and sourced. For clean body care that gives you skincare-level results, you've got to try Osea. And right now we have a special discount just for our listeners. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with promo code LizMoody at oseamalibu.com. You'll get free samples with every order and orders over $60 get free shipping. While you're there, get the body butter, of course, but I'm also obsessed with the Vegas Nerve Oil and Pillow Mist, both of which help so much with my anxiety. I love rubbing the oil on my hands and inhaling deeply before I meditate to make it feel more intentional and calming and grounding. You are going to want it all. Go to malibu.com, promo code LIZMOODY. You've probably heard me talk about how much I love seed on this podcast a million times, and you have definitely heard me talk about the importance of our microbiome with a ton of our expert guests. I think it's so important to underscore that supporting our microbiomes and taking Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic isn't just for gut health issues. While it definitely helps with issues like bloating and constipation, it's really about supporting your microbiome as a whole. Your entire body is impacted by your microbiome, especially when it comes to fighting illnesses like viral infections and even chronic diseases. And more and more research has come out about the gut-brain connection, which shows that an unbalanced microbiome can slow the production of neurotransmitters and affect many areas of brain function. I think it really helps to view Seed's DSO-1 daily symbiotic less as something that you take for your gut and more as a multivitamin to support your microbiome, which supports your whole body health. I've worked with Seed for years now, and it's a company whose mission and products are truly top-notch. They are so focused on education and pushing the field of microbiome research forward, and they took all of that research and all of that knowledge and distilled it into their flagship product, the DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic. The DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic is not just a probiotic. It's a symbiotic, which means it contains both probiotics and prebiotics. The combination is so important. While probiotics are the live beneficial bacteria, prebiotics are actually the food the probiotics need to thrive. Without the prebiotic component, the probiotics that you might be taking, like many of the ones that you can easily pick up at a drugstore, will be undernourished and far less effective. The DSO-1 daily symbiotic includes the 24 bacterial strains that are scientifically studied to support your whole body's health. If you want to learn more about gut health and how probiotics and prebiotics actually function, I highly recommend heading over to seed.com. They have a whole educational section that breaks down the science behind your microbiome in really digestible, see what we did there, digestible, yeah, in really digestible ways. Taking seed has been a huge part of my personal anxiety journey, and I get DMs from you guys truly on a daily basis about how it's helped with your mental health, your migraines, your chronic bloat, and more. And now they have a PDS08 pediatric daily symbiotic so kids and teens can experience all of the amazing benefits too. And as if you needed another reason to love seed, their packaging is not only beautiful but sustainable. You can refill the little green glass bottle every month with the pill shipped right to your door in compostable packaging rather than using single-use plastic bottles. If you'd like to try Seed's dso one Daily Symbiotic or their pdso 8 Pediatric Daily Symbiotic for kids and teens aged 3 to 17 and see for yourself why I and so many other people in the Liz Moody podcast community love it, I have an amazing discount for you. You can use code LizMoody at Seed.com to get 25% off your first month's supply. Again, that's LizMoody at Seed.com for 25% off. I love that because I also think that sometimes we view it as like, oh, we're not going to like go to the gym or do the intense workout. It doesn't count in some way. It's almost like if we have this idea that it doesn't count, we're like, well, I might as well just like lay on the couch and scroll. I might as well do absolutely nothing. And you're like, no, you can change what you do and it will count and it will matter. And it might be a different type of result, but it still is really good for you
1: instead of having that sort of like just one or the other, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you bend so you don't break. And I call it the, avoiding the avalanche. Like, I'm sure many of people who have, have experienced the avalanche, you know, summer into fall season, you're like, all right, well, it's already X day. It's Monday of a long weekend. I've already not moved, done whatever, you know, drank. I did it. I put my feet up on the couch. What's one more meal? And then two days turns into three days. But I really try to remind myself, like, break the link. Break the link. For me, like not moving for more than two days, I break the link. Not eating healthy for more than two days, I break the link. For me, that pattern is meaningful. The avalanche happens when we're just like, oh, I'll start Monday. It's Thursday. I'll start Monday. Why? Do it now. Go for a 10-minute walk now. Make the next right choice now that makes you feel more like yourself
0: literally obsessed. Can you go back and tell 20-year-old me that when I'm like (laughs) sitting on my second pint of ice cream? Well, I already (laughs) ate one. so
1: (laughs) And like forgive yourself, like give yourself grace. Be like, that happened. You're not going to beat yourself up. It's not about like working out to like punish yourself for the thing you did over the weekend. Absolutely not. Just make the next best right choice rather than allowing all of it to avalanche because you're not going to like that version of yourself at the bottom of that. Love, love. Okay. I am a
0: recovering people pleaser and working on getting more in touch with my authentic self. Some things are currently testing my patience, and I'm wondering where is the line between being kind while also expressing my true feelings and making sure they don't get out of control?
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's interesting. Hmm. Well, I think that we can always use our no to protect our yes. We can say no kindly, right? But it can be direct and we can create boundaries it can be kind but direct. I think when the emotionality starts to rise, there are other things like bottled up that we kind of need to unpack. It's not about the no or the yes. It's about maybe the friction that has come with mediocre yeses (laughs) or boundaryless relationships that precede it right? So I think it's actually two different questions. It's practicing the no. Willpower is a muscle that needs to be exercised. Like using no is a muscle that needs to be exercised. So there's that and like developing the practice around that and answering for yourself, what does a yes even look like? Like what are the things I'm even about, right? A lot of times we don't even know what a yes looks like. So there's that. And then the second piece of it, I think, is the larger part of the question is like, how do I not get wrapped up in the emotionality? And I think that that requires like some work around boundaries and mediocre yeses.
0: Yeah. I think people pleasing is an interesting one because there's the resentment of, well, do people not care about me and my needs and my wants? And then there's the like, I want everybody to like me. I don't want to disappoint people. I think there's so many different emotions entangled with that. I think that can lead to like bursts of emotion when you least expect it and emotions kind of seeping to the surface in ways that you might not be prepared for.
1: Yeah, and it's natural. When people disappoint you, of course you're going to feel that, but they are not mind readers. You can only control what you do and the effort that you put into something. And I think that when you have ways to gain confidence and the inner shout out, I call it. You're a lot less reliant on other people in your life for that same kind of recognition. And then I think our relationships become a little bit more solid and a little cleaner because then I think our connections are maybe a little bit more honest.
0: Did you always know so well who you are and were you always so – able to unabashedly be that person?
1: <laughs> I mean, for sure not. I, I, we've all been through, you know, so many different seasons. I really like this version of Robin and I gave myself a long time ago freedom to change my mind. I'm very opinionated. I'm very direct. I'm very like driven, but I also give myself permission to change my mind. Like my Angelou said, when I know better, I do better. I like to educate myself. I remain curious. I want to always learn And that has suited me really, really well. And I think knowing that aspect of who I am gives me a lot of confidence. And even going into, you know, new motherhood, it was like, I don't know a lot of this stuff, but I trust myself. And what I don't know, I'm going to figure out. And when I make a mistake, I'm going to try to do better. And it's very, very basic. But I think with that it's a framework that really works for me. I haven't always been as confident. In fact, when I was a kid, I used to get made fun of for the way I ran, and I would do anything I could to get out of gym class. I would like forge notes to get out of PE and get out of the swimming tests and all that stuff. So I really, really had to reclaim the narrative around athleticism that then ended up becoming my career as an adult. But I totally know what it feels like to feel like an imposter and to feel less than. And it was through movement, through journaling, through vision boarding that I was able to claim agency. And I just decided one day, like, I'm just going to start writing the heroic story. Why not me to be that person? And now I see a version of her every day because I put myself in uncomfortable positions every day.
0: Do you have any advice for somebody who is struggling to know who they even are or what they want or what their goals are?
1: Yes. I call it dreamscaping. Well, first, like related to the – paying attention to your moments of flow is really important. Paying attention to the moments where you lose track of time in a good way is really important. And the second, which I've included in Welcome Pustler – so many prompts and frameworks and questions and mantras and graphics and pages for you to just get curious. And, you know, for most of us, it's not you answer one question and then you unlock this, you know, core memory of a passion that you totally forgot about. Usually it's just pulling the thread. Maybe. It's just listening to the whisper Long enough and consistently enough until that cacophony might become a roar. And that turning up of the volume might require work, consistent practice, going out again, signing up for the class, putting yourself in an environment that is totally different, making the new friend, sending the email, asking somebody out. Like, this is all the stuff, signing up for the speaking engagement, like doing the stuff that you're like, I could never and you never know. I love that.
0: And I also love that it sort of points out sometimes we're like, who am I? And we treat it like this philosophical question. And you're almost saying in some ways that like figuring out who we are comes in
1: the doing, it
0: comes in the action. And I think that's so powerful.
1: In some of the audits that I have in the book, I ask, you know, what are the next steps what is your goal be specific and then the second so question is now what are the action items that you're going to do to get there and what's the deadline i want people to take the verbs the actions and put them in their calendar like those are now calendar appointments with yourself and they could be minute it could be like <laughs> open up my email you know send the email a step 2 you know it's all about the action items and I have said yes to some of the craziest things, what some would call crazy. National Geographic reached out to me years ago and they were like, do you want to come trek the Serengeti? And I was like, yep, sure. No idea what that's about. Like I barely go into Central Park in New York City, like, but sure, send me to Tanzania. There were things that I, if I was curious, I said yes there's so much we can learn about getting curious about what our next chapter could look like. And again, revisit the ways in which we're saying, I am never this person. I am always this person. When you're living your life in those definitives, you might not be leaving room for something that you didn't even expect. And then I just want to follow
0: that with, and we will end on this. Once we know who we are, how can we Alleviate that fear of other people not liking that person or judging who we are?
1: Oh, I just don't even waste energy on that, honey. Like, <laughs> I have an ability to have blinders on in that regard. Expect it to happen. Expect it, not in a defensive way, not like it's me against the world, but expect it to happen because when you start developing new habits and when the values become habits and the habits become a new identity or a new aspect of your identity, there's gonna be folks who know the old version of you, it's like, it's just going to hit them. It's going to hit a nerve. It's going to trigger. And hopefully not. Hopefully the stakeholders in your life and the people in your life are champions and they will follow you with whatever version shows up as long as it's healthy and happy. But I think that you should expect that not every relationship is going to travel in the same way for every chapter of your life. And I have made peace with that. And I think that we have to have trusted critics, right? It's not that everybody needs to be a yes person in your life, but there are going to be folks that don't get it and not everybody needs to. You need to get it. Love that.
0: Can you tell us a little bit in your own words about your amazing new journal?
1: Oh, yes. So Welcome Hustler is available for pre-order now. I'm so excited. I have infused into this questions with blank pages and frameworks and self-care audits and there's The things that I'm about, you know, prioritizing movement and self care. And all of my mantras are in there. And I've even included playlists and examples of some of my journal entries in Welcome Hustler. And I really want folks to use it as a thought partner. And if somebody feels stuck, if they feel like they are an aspiring hustler, you know, they wanna reclaim some agency in their lives and architect a new chapter that is meaningful and intentional this is the journal for them.
0: Amazing. Well, Robin, I had incredibly high expectations for this conversation and you surpassed them. You're so inspiring. You're so fun. You're just so cool. I'm (laughs) fangirling majorly and I really appreciate you taking the time to chat today.
1: So great. Thank you so much, Liz.
0: I just love her so much. Please go pick up her journal, Welcome Hustler. It's really beautiful, and I loved how actionable and empowering it is. There are so many great questions in it, and you can get it wherever books are sold. If you did like this episode, please take one quick moment to give the podcast a rating or review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. It's hugely helpful in helping other people find the podcast and decide whether or not they want to listen to it. And if you know anyone in your life whom you think would benefit from Robin's advice in this episode, please share a link with them. Send it on your company Slack, text a friend, send an email. I see all of you sharing the episodes every single week. So please know that you are so appreciated and it is hands down the best way to make sure that I can continue to produce amazing content for you. If someone shared a link with you and you are new to the podcast, welcome. I am so glad that you're here. Make sure that you're following on whatever platform you like to listen on. All you have to do is go to the main podcast page. That's the one that lists all of the Liz Moody podcast episodes, and you will see the word follow under the logo on Spotify. And then there's a little follow with a plus sign button on the top right of that same page on Apple Podcasts. That way, you will not miss out on any new episodes. They will appear right in your feed every single Wednesday. And you do not want to miss out because we have some very exciting ones coming up, including an incredible interview with a climate change expert about why all is not hopeless and an episode busting your biggest money-related fears. Okay, I love you, and I will see you next Wednesday on the next episode of the Liz Moody Podcast. I have a product that is going to change your life. I've recommended this to so many people and they are all floored. It's basically a perfect dupe for the Viral Laneige lip mask, but a million times better and with ingredients that are clinically proven to help dry lips and actually good for you, which is important because you're essentially eating anything that goes on your lips. It is the Osmia Lip Repair Overnight Mask and it feels like heaven. And you're going to want one for yourself and also to stock up and give them as gifts because they are the best present. They help my dry lips when nothing else works, and I will never be without mine now. And while you're on the Osmia site, you are going to want to stock up on the bar soaps. This is the original product that Dr. Sarah Villafranco, the founder, created, and they have converted me to bar soaps after years of not being able to take the plunge. They're cured longer, so they last way longer than any other bar soap I have ever found, which is amazing for travel. I have been traveling so much recently, and I've had literally the same bar of soap. And they smell amazing, and they do not dry out your skin. Go with the scent that speaks to your soul, but Coffee Mint is my personal favorite. Finally, if you remember Sarah's pod episode, she has a whole line of products that help with skin conditions like perioral dermatitis, which is when you get red and broken out around your mouth, eczema, and acne, even when nothing else works. She's famous for this. So start with the Black Clay Facial Soap and the Purely Simple Face Cream if you are like, oh yes, that is me. If you'd like to try any Osmia skincare products for yourself, they have so generously created a code for the Liz Moody podcast listeners. Code Liz Moody is good for 20% off your first order with Osmia at osmiaskincare.com. Once again, code Liz Moody is good for 20% off your first order with Osmia at osmiaskincare.com.